are live for the 106th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I am your host, Matt Luzluigi, and tonight it's me, Andrew, and G. And I, you know, I'd ask how we're doing, but guys, what what are we here for? Is this a movie pod? Is this like a, a, a podcast we talk about, like, I don't know, space travel or music or what, what are we doing here, guys? I, I saw Bronx Bomber Battle podcast talking about this team, the New York Yankees, talking about Ooh. the support baseball. Uh, what? I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, we're doing a podcast about the New York redacted. redacted. Yeah, we're, it, <laughs> I mean, look, man, it's it's pretty rough out here in terms of the, the uh, <laughs> meetings between the MLB and the players, they're, they're non-existent. Apparently, as we record this on a Wednesday night, they are supposed to meet tomorrow. And will the meetings go well? Will anything happen? Probably not. Right? It will probably get a uh, passing tweet around well, 3, 4 Will any tomorrow. progress get made? Probably not. But MLB, yeah, we'll get a tweet at 3, 4 o'clock tomorrow. To... Like, meetings over, lasted 10 minutes. Like, Nothing Major League Baseball said, is supposed no to make a core economic proposal to the players' union tomorrow. Well, well, Bob tweeted about it yesterday or this morning. So, like, whatever happens is already dead in the water. <laughs> to go, Bob tweeted about it. So, just reverse, you know, that, whatever he said. All right. Thanks, oh, I, th- I, think, I think it was yesterday. I think he said it was the anniversary of the institution of the designated hitter. Um, I think. Hmm. I, I, don't, I don't remember if that's what it was. But he's like, and, and then a month from now, this will be um, a universal. Oh, page. yeah, great. There. So it's like, all right, I guess that's not happening. All the replies. It's like, Bob, no. Uh, but, yeah, there's... Like we said, there's really just no baseball news at all. I mean, obviously, there's you know, some news and some things to discuss in Yankee land. Obviously, a big, big single-A coaching hire, right? The first woman manager, Rachel Belkovic, just very big news, national news, if that, if that right? Um, Eric Chavez leaving the Yankees at the altar. Um, I'm actually devastated. I, I don't think... I don't think I'll ever get over that one, guys. Uh, I mean, didn't he get so hired? Sorry for your loss. So technically, it yeah. was like they announced it. They sent out a tweet. Yeah, and so he got. And his I, name was I mean, on it. <laughs> so more likely, he just like got the marriage and all during the honeymoon. Right. Look, this it's happens a... all the time in the NFL, right? Too with coaches getting jobs and then someone else giving them a better job, so they they, they leave the original job. Like I, this is just part of the business. I was about to say, and look, the biggest sport that happens, right, is college football, right? If you're the quarterback coach at a mid-level school, oh, hey, you're the offense, they're offering you the offense coordinator at, like, a bigger school, right? So, yeah, it's, look, someone said it on Twitter, it was perfectly said. There's nothing else to talk about right now. So, something like that happens, obviously, it was going to get blown out of proportion. And, obviously, with the Mets already having themselves a great offseason while the Yankees do nothing, that just, you know, pours salt in the wound, adds insult to injury. Chavez wants to be a manager someday and that the Mets were going to be able to offer him like more day-to-day responsibilities than the Yankees would have. Well, alone, they gave him a better job, right? So he's already stepping into a position where he has more responsibilities. So even if they both have the same trajectory, he's going to get there sooner with the Mets. So like, I get it. No, Andrew, it is a big deal. I don't think you understand this. It's it's a huge deal. Um, but guys, let's talk about Rachel Balkovic. Um Andrew, you were doing a lot of research on this the last few days, listening to podcasts, watching her interview she had with Hoke, I believe it was yesterday it was, um, from, I believe she was in Florida, shout out to Florida, go Florida, um, the state of Florida, not the university, of course, but yeah, Rachel Balkovic, the first pro uh, coach in American sports, a pretty big deal, head coach, obviously. 
Yeah, no, no. This has been a long time coming. And and when you hear her story about her having to change her name on her resume because Major League Baseball or, or you know any affiliates would see Rachel. Oh, well, what does a woman know about baseball? Um, she only played college softball. Like that's a just a end of discussion right there. Like she had to she listed her name as Ray R A E, right? Um, and then for her giving up her dream multiple times, pursuing higher levels of education, taking jobs with the Cardinals was her first foray into baseball right? as the um, director of strength and conditioning with one of their minor league affiliates. And then she got um, some work in with the Astros, uh, obviously was spending time on the side as the, the hitting coach for the, what is the, I think the Blue Sox, uh, Australian professional baseball league team. Uh, and that's actually where um, a cousin of mine sent me um, a podcast from like a year or two ago. Um, and there was a lot the of good Sydney sound bites in there. Yeah, there you go. So she was talking with um, this guy for this Australian podcast. Um, and, and one of the things that stood out to me the most. And Shout out. We'll podcast talk, we'll, we'll talk. Blue Sox banter. There it is. All right. <laughs> well, um, we're, there's so much to dive into with her. But um, particularly, she was talking about how just it's so obvious that, you know, you use data, right? Like even when you're driving a car, how we're doing math in our head, like how far in advance, you need to slow down, uh, like to make a turn or something like that to merge over. Uh, so like, it makes sense where hand-eye coordination hitting a baseball, like you would use data. And that's kind of what gave her this opportunity. Um, one thing in particular that actually stood out to me is she's not very optimistic for people like her to get these type of jobs five, 10 years down the road. And part of that is because right now, who's involved in analytics, right? You hear all the nerds, right? Like that that's the term that I would use on Twitter, the analytic nerds, right? But there's an up and coming movement of former players and current players even who are joining in on this movement, right? So one thing that, that Rachel mentioned is that five, 10 years from now, um, a lot of former players who are getting into analytics now will be more qualified than someone like her. Their analytical prowess will be the same, but a former player obviously has major league experience. Someone like her doesn't. So I think it's awesome that she got this opportunity breaking through this glass ceiling for women. But in her own words, she wasn't super optimistic um, about this in the long term. Obviously, short term it will be. But uh, yeah, it's just an awesome story, and and she's for sure qualified um, for for this with with everything that she's she's put in, like all the work she's done. She has double masters in uh, kinesiology and what was the other one? G human movement was, studies or yeah, something like that. Human, human movement sciences. Yeah. All right. So like, there's. It, it, it's a great hire just in the fact that it's groundbreaking, but also she's very much qualified for the job. Yeah, that's the thing that I just didn't understand. Because, look, obviously you're going to have people right away say, oh, not qualified, she's not a woman. And the first thing I thought when someone said that she wasn't qualified was, shit, man, Aaron Boone's not qualified to be the Yankees manager. Like, Aaron Boone hasn't even, I don't think, managed Little League. Right. Like, so just because Aaron Boone's a former player, like that doesn't mean that he's, oh, you're you're hired as a manager. And look, we see obviously we see that in pro sports all the time. Right. All the pro, uh, former athletes who are in the broadcast booth, who are in, you know, get certain jobs. And look, some of them are really good. Right. I mean, how many of like the best broadcasters are, you know, like former QBs or former catchers or former whatever. But man, some of these, I think we all know at least a few former athletes or former coaches who get into the media, get into broadcasting, and you just go, oh my God, this guy's awful, right? Like how how the hell did this guy get hired? And it's, you know, because what they did on the field, obviously, but that's a lot of times, you know, 
either whether it's going from like coaching to the broadcasting booth or just going from like, you know, one thing to the other, it doesn't always translate well. And then you have people who, oh, just because she's a woman, that doesn't mean she's qualified. No, look, she has literally years and years of training and, you know, been with, you know, the Cardinals, the Astros, went to Australia. Like that's, that's someone who's qualified. That's what you call a baseball lifer, right? Someone who's had multiple different positions, who obviously played softball, but, you know, played the sport, right? And, you know, at a high level too, right? She was a catcher. Catchers are always some of the most highly intelligent, highly intellectual people on the field. So yeah, I think she's very qualified, but I also found it interesting, you know, you would expect when I, th- I think it was Hoku asked her, you know, what's your dream job, right? Like, where do you go from here? You would expect her to say, you know, manage an MLB team, right? That would be the clear kind of obvious answer, but she actually said general manager. So I thought that was very interesting that she said that she saw herself being kind of in the front office, kind of off the field in the future. But obviously right now, this is her role. She's 34 years old, so she's got a lot of bright future ahead of her. But yeah, I, I think it's totally awesome. And you know, even though she's not optimistic, like you said, Andrew, even though she's not all that optimistic about the future for people like her, hey, maybe she's wrong and hopefully she paves the way and hopefully, you know, a lot of young girls see that and are inspired to be managers. I thought there was an interesting thing about that podcast for me where, you know, she talked, obviously, you know, the the, the host had asked about, like, you know, challenges from where you are, getting to where, where you are and you know, Andrew mentioned like she had she had to stop putting Rachel. She put Ray on her resume and she got more calls. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot to dig into on that front. But just in general, like talking about experience. Um, I mean, she's young. She's what? She's 34. Um, mm-hmm. Like she and she was talking about like hitting coaches, right? You compare yourself to other hitting coaches where it's like, you know, anyone would have at least a few years um, of coaching experience or whatever, right? She, you know, she worked for the Astros. She worked for the Cardinals um, in strength and conditioning. And she played softball in college. Like, you know, she's she's obviously, we talked about, she's exceptionally qualified. She's got degrees. She's studied a lot of different things, but she wasn't like a hitting coach. She got hired by the Yankees as a hitting coach. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, there was a lot of discussion about that on the podcast about that, you know, in terms of her experience and how you actually relate that to people, um, which in addition, you know, I'm sure that's a challenge. You know, again, some people might say, oh, because she's a woman, how can she relate to me? She hasn't played baseball. She's not a hitting coach. She's but I mean, I just, you know, she she. Did talk for a while about how she tries to communicate with relate to you know overcome challenges of how people might look at her one way or the other and just keep doing her job and i thought she was really impressive one thing that's interesting if you listen to any interview she's done in the past few days um podcast she's done obviously this one we're referencing here she name checks dylan lawson a bunch who was her her boss as the director or the hitting coordinator for the yankees minor league systems right and who now obviously just got promoted um, the past few weeks to be their their major league affiliate hitting coach uh, for 2022 and hopefully beyond. Uh, it, it, she she praises Dylan Lawson a bunch for helping her her grow into this role. Right, she got hired as as a hitting instructor, uh, but as we've said, she had a background in strength and conditioning. Right, so obviously there's some transferable stuff, but like she really flourished under Dylan Lawson, and that's actually encouraging for me, just in, in what that guy's able to do. Right, we haven't seen him a day in the dugout 
uh, at the major league level. But if she's giving him praise, she says, like, I wouldn't be where I was without him. This guy's now our, our new hidden coach. Like, that's awesome, too. Yeah. When you talk, when you look, when you talk about qualified, like you go on Rachel, uh, or she has her w- website, rachelbalkovic.com. And in 2019, she was uh, an intern for research and development, driveline baseball, eye tracking for hitters. Like you want to talk, that's almost sounds like made up. It's like so uh, specialized and specific that it almost sounds fake, but yeah, like this is how, you know, into this, into hitting, into development, into, you know, like the science, the art of baseball, like this, <clears throat> Like I said, like, it's almost like you're, it's like, oh, like, screw being a manager. Like, we need you in the front office. We need you a part of, like, our analytic team as, like, one of, like, the main people. Like, that's where I, that's where I see her being, honestly, in the future. Like, someone with this many qualifications, someone who's been in this many different, you know, world-class organizations has held this many different positions. Yeah, I I think, I think she's going to be set up for something much, much greater than a single-A manager. But that's the thing. Being that manager, it's almost like a developmental position, uh, position more than it is like an on-field manager because of how, you know, you're in like the lowest level of a, a single A. And I loved listening to her talk about that, actually, the driveline and, the you know, the analytical type stuff that she was into over there because it makes a lot of sense, right? Some, you know, and, and for specific things with analytics, you might be like, oh, that's getting a little bit into the weeds. Like, how does that apply or whatnot? But she was saying like, right. For the eye tracking, right? She was saying, you know, you could have, you know, really impressive looking, great swing. You could have the best swing in the game, but like if you can't hit a curveball, then what does it matter? And like so, how relevant is that to what everything we bitched about with the Yankees over the past few years, right? Yeah. They have, like, all, these, they have all these great hitters, but they couldn't recognize off speed stuff. Their their uh, swing uh, path was 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 off or whatever it was, right? Like like that's so relevant. Yeah. So like she was, and I mean. This and, you know, like Dylan Lawson, right, there's been a change, I guess, in philosophy um, with the Yankees coaches, with Yankees departments, I guess, over the last couple of years, right? It was like they had long timers, you know, they had Steve Donahue, they had, you know, people who were there forever, right? They revamped their strength and conditioning. They rewrote the program there, right? We hopefully saw what was the beginning of some new success on that front with John Carlston and Judge and all that type of stuff. Um, pitching, right? Matt Blake, you had, you know, more driveline, I guess, more influence heavily with analytics and and technology over there with the gas station and all that type of stuff. And the hitting was like, well, Marcus Timms, he was a player. The Yankees liked him. <laughs> he was an assistant for a couple of years. You know, like the hitting was maybe the last obvious department anyway to to not see anything. And now you're kind of seeing it, I guess, obviously with the changes at the major league level, but more so with the hiring of someone like Rachel Bakovic at the manager or the at the minor league level, but now with a promotion and hopefully more, you know, success for her. Yeah, absolutely. Very happy for it. it's uh, very, it's going to be very interesting to see how she develops and, you know, how long she will be in that position. Um, well, God, she's but, even said in multiple interviews, right? Like, hey, look, look, you want to give me the shot? Like, like I'm going to fail. Like, you got to give me time to to grow into it, right? Like, she's very real and, and, and down to earth about the fact that it's going to be a transition and that there's a lot to um, to adjust to, right? But um, she's up mm-hmm. for the challenge and obviously everything that she's gone through um, to get to this this level in her career, like, there's there's no way adversity is going to keep her down. Yeah, absolutely. Very going to be very intriguing to see how that uh, plays out.
But guys, let's move to the broadcasting booth. Uh, some some ESPN Sunday Night Baseball news that is very Yankee prevalent, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but uh, David Cohn is going to be on less Yankee games, which is kind of depressing. But he's going to be on Sunday Night Baseball. Coney in the booth. And furthermore... And Furage, I'm sure we have, you know, quite a few listeners who are also Giants fans, right? And I'm sure, as if they're football fans, they enjoy the Manning cast this past season. I know. Oh, I, I was going to say the second part of this announcement is significantly less exciting than the David. <laughs> uh, the Manning cast was very exciting, and ESPN, they're you know, they're trying to build off that. And so, what do they do? They decide they're going to do a quote-unquote Manning cast-like broadcast with K and A Rod. And look, I we've we joke about A Rod all the time. I honestly think this has the potential to be just absolutely incredible. Like, I'm, like just think of it. I'm just imagining A Rod like in a room, like in like a some sort of green room or some sort of like you know room with all his trophies and you know, pictures of himself in a mirror. And A Rod just trying to like break down like the simplest things. Like a guy will like ground out to second, be like, oh, let's go back and watch this, okay? Uh, and he'll just like break. Like it's it has so much potential to be so. Because I mean, like A Rod really is. He's just like the, you watch Sunday Night Baseball, and some of the things you say, you'll, you'll just like look up and you'll look around. You're like, dude, what the what's this guy fucking talking about? Like A Rod definitely does some wacky, weird stuff in the broadcast booth. I tell you, and just I mean. He'll he'll, he'll definitely talk about mind. people. Right? He'll be like, "Oh, why didn't this guy bunt here? This guy should have bunted." He'll probably say that about five times per broadcast. That would be exciting. It, it, like, I don't know how him and K are gonna like mesh though. Like, if it's gonna be a Manning cast like broadcast, like the whole thing with the Manning cast is neither of them are play by play guys. Like Michael K is a you know play by play guy. Well, I don't know. It's uh, it has potential, but it also could be just absolutely awful. I yeah, think you're going to have to see a different side of Michael K in here, too, because we, right, we know what he is on the right. Yankees broadcast. The rest of America doesn't really know who he is, and I don't think he's going to be his normal Yes Network self or, or the Michael K show on ESPN self on that broadcast. I think he's going to have to find a third identity. And obviously, he has good rapport with A-Rod, uh, obviously, from, from his time covering uh, the Yankees while A-Rod was still playing, and they, they're both ESPN employees now, and they've known each other in the business for 20 years. But like, it's going to be a, a really interesting Set up and, and I think you're right that it has the potential to be really, really exciting and really interesting. But if they get off to a rocky start, it, there's going to be a few weeks where there's like awkward broadcasts for sure. Look, look, low floor, high ceiling. All right. That's where we're at with this. I mean, with the, uh, Eli Manning flipped a double bird on live national television and they didn't get canceled. So, like, I think they have a lot of leash here. No, look, the man, like, I. A lot of the nights I was I'd be at work for the Manning cast, but like the Manning cast was apt. Like those first, like I, it kind of slowed down at the end, mostly because they stopped having them. But like the Manning cast, the first you know handful were just absolutely incredible. Like they were, it was like pure gold. People couldn't like like you know when you look at the comments and you'll see you know some people are saying look one thing, you know other half people are saying other. It was like all positive. People were like this is the greatest thing ESPN's ever done. Like this is incredible. And look, ESPN when something like that happens, right? When they cap, when they capture lightning in a bottle, they try to capture it like a thousand times again, right? And, and everyone, that's what they're doing here. They'll probably try to do something with the NBA and, and the NHL now that they have the NHL on ESPN, right? With you know, former athletes and wackiness and but and nothing will probably be as good as the Manning cast, but. 
I don't blame them for trying. It's a good idea, but yeah, eh. <laughs> I'm just le- I'm just I'm th- I'm just thinking about a Rod like some of his outbursts he had on the regular Sunday night mm-hmm. baseball broadcast. I'm like, oh, now you're giving a Rod like his own broadcast. Like, oh. right. no, like, you're so right though because like he has such an incredible baseball knowledge base. But there's times where he says stuff where you're just thinking like, what in the hell is this guy thinking? Like he'll, like, he'll he, just, he just said you should bunt with with bases loaded. And not no even that, because like, like I fast, feel. Like, uh, A-Rod will just go into things at the most random times. There you're like, A-Rod, it's the top of the third with like one on and nobody like, well, why are you like, well, why is that important? You know, like so he'll, he'll think... just try to make something, like, nothing to, into like the biggest thing ever trying to like, you know, galaxy brain, like something into nothing. It's like, I, I do, think that's honestly what this does. format um, might serve him a little bit better than like your traditional, like suit and tie kind of broadcast booth, because in that scenario, like, it's I don't know it's much more formal right like a couple of years ago we wanted a rod to be the manager like people were saying like oh make a rod the manager right like players have talked over the years right a rod took me under his wing like obviously like you were saying the knowledge base is incredible he's like a lifer but he just you know like says weird wacky shit right there was the Anthony Rizzo moment on Sunday Night Baseball right like I think in terms of this where it's like Rizzo. You know, yeah right like <laughs> Manning cast is just like Peyton and Eli sitting on their couch just watching the game like so I think if in, in making a, fun of each other yeah yeah right, but what's like, unique about that is that Peyton was was one-upping with Tony Romo does every week on on CBS and he was like oh they're gonna run this formation he's gonna check down to this guy right here right they're gonna do this like Peyton because like he has such like, you talk about galaxy brain like Peyton like, literally runs circles around everywhere oh, yeah, he's even from, the, from his own yeah. couch right like, I don't think A-Rod can, can do that, so to speak, but it'll be interesting to see how he tries to spin zone his own knowledge based on what he sees happening. Like, what are you going to do? Predict, like, a, a pitch a guy's going to see? We can see the, ki- the, the catcher's signals, right? Yeah, so right. If he can steal signs, like, everyone that's sitting in their home can, can, can see um, that, too. But, like, I don't I don't, don't want to make this they'll a encourage it. I think ESPN will encourage it, the, you know, the funny, weird, whatever behavior. Like, I think – I just think that the less formal um, atmosphere is something that'll – favor him more than it would just be like him in a suit in a tie trying to be all you know color commentator like it it doesn't naturally suit him so i think this kind of just talking like shooting shit about baseball will will be better for him yeah that that's a good point g that, that's a good point maybe this does uh fit a rod better and not not to turn this into a manning cast uh episode but i'm just thinking of like the first few weeks of the manning cast like what made the manning cast so great was like how how messy it was the first few weeks. Like, I remember Peyton and Eli would just always be talking, like, mid-conversation as they'd go to commercial break. Like, they would never know. I had to, like, you know, like, oh, we have 10 seconds left. Let's, like, they would just be talking, like, right until the um, end of break. And remember that one time so they hilarious. they did that, too, with what one week, um I don't know if he was hurt or if the Bucks had a bye, but they brought on Gronk, and he was just, like, telling a story, and it just, like, was, everything yeah. just completely derailed. But, like, it was still <laughs> enjoyable, right? But, like, you, you oh, lost sight great. of like what was actually happening while you were actually watching what's for the game, when, right? It was just when, going like, on and on. When like during halftime, like Peyton was like eating this meal with like his hands, and they're like, Eli's like, oh, we got the half, and they just show the highlight of him eating. Like that, that's just what made it so funny because obviously they're brothers, and obviously you know Eli and Peyton have you know, been in so many commercials, and remember we all remember like the ESPN commercial of them in the hall like kicking each other. Like that's what made that cast funny, and I like look. Obviously, K, K and A-Rod, even though they have, like, you know, they know each other. K covered it, A-Rod when he was on the Yankees. They're not brothers, right? They're not, like, best friends. So, who knows? We'll see. It's going to be interesting. But let's talk more about Coney. 
being in the Sunday night. But I think that's a big deal because, like, I feel like so many people look at this announcement and say, oh, great. Like, they, you know, the Yankee announcers are invading Sunday night baseball. And if you feel like th- that way about K, I understand it. But, man, David Cohn is awesome. Like, if you're a baseball fan, you should love David Cohn. And, oh, you know, yeah. like, I think we all remember, like, Oral Hershiser, remember, used to be in the booth for, uh, for a little bit for some ESPN games. And, you know, it's like, I think people, it's kind of funny how, like, I, I remember I was watching, like, a ESPN game where Hershiser was in the booth. And, like, I was watching it with, like, one of my uh, younger friends. And he basically was like, was Oral Hershiser good? This was, like, you know, a few years back. And I'm like, was Oral Hershiser good? Like, he, but do you realize, like, a lot of people don't know how good these guys were. And, like, look, David Cohn was, you know, he was one of, like, the best pitchers in baseball for a few years stretch, right? He had a, you know, a big money contract. Like, David Cohn was that dude for for a number of years right obviously those crazy Mets days and you know part of the Yankee teams that won those World Series but I'm very excited for the rest of the nation especially you know the younger baseball fans to be introduced to David Cohn right because look he's a great announcer he knows the game he's like the perfect mix of new age and old age right and like a good mix oh my god yeah like the fact that Cohn got that but I am sad he's not gonna be on as many Yankee games of course yeah, I mean, the fact that Yankees fans on Yes Network will get significantly less David Cohn is a huge bummer. But, like, he's 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 perfect. Like, he needs more national recognition because he's just so funny, but he's also, like, so insightful. He does a pitching podcast, I think, with uh, John Boy. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, Network, Telling like, the Slab. Telling the Slab, yeah. So, like, he's, but he, he you know, he could talk about pitching. He's really insightful and analytical in that way but he's just so freaking entertaining like so it's going to be good for him and um all of america should enjoy watching him yeah no like i said i'm just so happy that coney got that role um andrew thoughts about coney joining the sunday night baseball booth uh, i mean i don't know about you guys but i miss jessica mendoza uh Oh jeez. Um, no, All right, I, we're I, ending I the pod you. at this very moment. Because <laughs> I agree with what you said that it's certainly a bummer to have him off the um, the the yes broadcast as much. But like, I don't think he has a stigma of being like a Yankee guy like A Rod and NK do. Obviously, he spent a lot of years with the Royals and the Mets. He's been around a bunch. Right? He played a few years in Boston and Toronto. Uh, so, like the fact that he's employed by the Yankees right now to do some games. Um, I don't think it you know, skews anyone's perspective to that end. And certainly if he's doing less games, they could probably throw him in the yes booth um, up in Stanford some more to um, the, mm-hmm. the studio, I should say. But uh, no, other mm-hmm. like he's, he's just so entertaining too, because we, we talked about even before we hired Matt Blake, right? Like what about David Cohn as a pitching coach? Like, cause he has a lot of insight as you're, you're watching these games and like no one else can provide that. Like Michael Kay is a play-by-play guy. He obviously has been watching baseball for 50, 60 years, but he knows the surface level stuff. Right. And then a little deeper, like he has connections and whatnot, but like David Cohn played and he has like a really good analytical edge yeah, he studies that no game. one else yeah. can provide. So that gives a lot of credibility to the ESPN broadcast, especially because you're going to promote someone like Carl Roberts, who's, who's been there forever, but it'll be his first, year as like the guy so to throw him with someone like Cohen who can amp up um just extra content on, on the podcast it, it's gonna be awesome yeah i say uh, podcast you don't mean broadcast yeah i was about I to say, say. 
the, the cast. He's going to be great on the cast. I agree. Um, uh, and I guess a, an interesting side effect of that, Cohen leaving, um, you know, you're probably going to see some new faces on Yes Network now, too, because they're, they're getting less Cone. They're using Buck Showalter as an in-studio reporter. Now he's gone. Um, and also Ken Singleton's gone. So... Yeah. Definitely get some new faces on the S Network this year. Maybe to be honest, it probably just means, yeah, I, I think more Rucco. Um, they'll get Bob Lorenz um, some some play-by-play stuff. He usually does some of those like obscure West Coast games that like Kay doesn't want to travel out to. Right. They'll have they'll have Lorenz. Really, like, we should like, just like, get more Paul O'Neill. Right. O'Neill's awesome, but the thing is like with he O'Neill's I, awesome, I, I, but he's got his golf schedule and he's only does a certain amount of games a year. And to be honest, I think the whole pandemic issue last year and the year before with him being able to to broadcast from his basement like that you know, we, we talk about how that changes just business right people don't go on business trips to right. speak to someone in in omaha nebraska in the kind of tuesday afternoon know, like yeah. you just video conference now right like mm-hmm. i don't think o'neill's gonna do a lot of games at yankee Stadium ever again like he still has his family right like if he could do it from home like why not right yeah, yeah that's true. It's true. Uh, like the whole like O'Neill's basement, like they had like the Studio Twenty One. Studio Twenty One. That's funny. Um, it's funny with Ruko though. Like I, you know, in case anyone doesn't know, Andrew and I are both Nets fans, and you know, Ruko does some Nets games. And I always feel, and this was with the Yankees too. I always feel like when Ruko announces a game, something like big happens. Like whether it's like a big home, or, like I feel how many games has Ruko been announcing? That like someone's like your judge, your stand, or someone's hit like a 500 foot home run, right? Like remember the game in Seattle when Judge hit it like 800 feet. I don't care what Statcast says. Or like, him hitting feet. that monster home run in Texas too. Right, like it's like and even with the Nets, like the last game uh, Rico announced for the Nets, like it went to overtime and it was like a crazy game. I'm like dude, every time this guy announces a game for the Yankees or Nets, it's like a close, intense game where just something big happens. So I'm not sure if I want Rico announcing more games in that bag. My my heart can't take it. Um, well, how no, does Rico's, um, Rico's great. Obviously, he does a lot of basketball stuff, not yeah, just WNBA, for, for Yes yeah. Network, but for uh, ESPN. Yeah, like he's like the head NBA, ESPN yeah. cover guy for the WNBA, right? Like that's mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer, is it not? Like, so I, I wonder right. how his commitment schedule allows him to do that. But uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe Yes Network will, will hire another former player, either from the organization or, or just anyone reputable around the league to fill that role. Maybe they'll they'll get some some up and coming journalists to to fill in. In the studio, who, like, who knows? I, I, the Yankees. I, I've heard usually, people say usually they hit on their C- hires. I've heard people say they want CC to be in the booth, but I don't think that's CC. I think I don't think he I think wants to either. Like five I think he just, in the first twenty or the first three innings, and I'd be like, all right. And so. honestly, I think CC just likes being retired and hanging out with his family. Yeah, and like doing exactly. his podcast and, and golfing and hanging out with all of his old buddies. Like I think like that he's. He doesn't want right, to work. But, like, that's what people don't realize, man. It's like, look, as fun as broadcasting is, and even if you're only doing, you know, 20, 50 games a year, it, it's still a job. And a lot of these guys, after being, like, on that, you know, professional sports grind all those years, it's like, look, man, I want a free schedule. Like, if I want to do this, I could do this. If I want to do that, I, I could do that. But I don't want to be locked down to anything. That's how a lot of these guys feel, right? So, yeah, I don't think – I don't think CC would be in the booth. I, I just heard people. I just saw on Yankee Twitter some people talking like, oh, because obviously you know our two C two podcast is Ruko and CC, so they say, oh, that'd be an easy transition. Just put CC in the booth with Ruko like 15, 20 times, right? I mean, I do think you might be able to convince him for like, you know, fifteen games right. a year. Like, if you got put him, him and Ruko calling the games together would be pretty awesome, actually. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, if it was like uh, you have to call. 
60, 70, 80 games, you're going on the road trips because Kay's not going on the road trips or whatever. Like, I don't think he would do that by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if you gave him, like, a small package, just as, like, a, an interesting feature kind of thing, that he might do it. What do we think the odds are of them letting Meredith do more stuff other than just the, the clubhouse reporter? And she's that'd already be, in the booth with them. She already does she's seven booths with them. So I, I, she's certainly qualified. Um, yeah. So... Did she ever do play-by-play stuff when she was covering the NBA, or was she doing the same stuff? Like, I, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I don't remember Mer- Meredith cover the NBA. I'm not sure if I remember her. But yeah, I, I mean, thought she used to work for like she... the 76ers. I thought. I don't, I don't know. Why I was about to say. I think she was like... a beat reporter for like you know probably like a sideline beat reporter. But I mean, yeah, if Mer- you know Meredith, man, how long has Meredith been in the Yes Network? At least six, seven years, right? It's been a while at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mer- if Mer- that's something Meredith wanted to do, I think they would give her the opportunity, right? I'm not he, sure. Obviously, he I'm not started sure if with the S Network um, in 2012. Yeah, so well, it's almost 10 years, right? It's crazy. Jeez, Kim uh, Jones has been gone for 10 years. Wow. I was just about to say that. Like, I I still feel like Kim Jones left like a few years ago. It's like, nope, that was a decade ago. Uh, guys, anything else we want to talk about? Like we said, you know, there's. News going on around Yankee Land, obviously, but yeah, nothing. stay tuned for what an utter disaster the the players union yeah. and, and league meeting is going to be tomorrow afternoon. We'll, right? like, we'll probably have another episode, you know, when something happens, right? Hopefully, I mean, look, let's be optimistic. Hopefully, something some good news happens. Good news comes out of tomorrow. Like, right? the, the players union up? representatives walk into the meeting. Rob Manfred heads them a folder of a proposal when the players union opens it up it's just a big picture of a middle finger like <laughs> most likely because i don't know i just i mean obviously my opinion of rob manford has not changed it's incredibly down but i just <laughs> i feel like especially with this being the first serious negotiating session we've even been reported to hear about like i don't know i just feel like they're not they're not moving seriously here it's just like a hey, they locked out the players. I don't even remember what date it was at this point. It feels so long ago. You know, they locked out the players when they locked them out. And we didn't hear shit about it until now. Like they're just now starting to negotiate when there's a month and whatever until pitchers and catchers report. Like I just don't feel like they're moving seriously with any urgency to actually resolve this. Oh, I completely agree with you, G. I completely agree with you. It's very demoralizing because you know I, it's still January, right? So you're not panicking, not panicking now, but well, well, that's like look, you got to think about this. Like pitchers and catchers would have reported yeah. in like 45 days, right? So I was like, about to say like in like fast forward two three weeks. Let's say we still haven't heard anything. That's where you start panicking. Like, okay, like pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. I think this month I think the, yeah, these guys kicked the can down the road and just said, "Hey, we'll we'll, we'll look at it in the new year." But like that. That's a lot of lost time, right? And then you figure once that finally gets settled out, what does free agency look like? Like there's still a ton of unsigned players. Like the best player on the market this year, Carlos Correa, hasn't been signed. Um, so like there's still a lot to be resolved on the free agent market um, once everything opens back up. And then immediately you've got to figure out uh, based on when everything gets resolved and when you get schedules set in play, does that delay the start of the season? Can you proceed with spring training as normal? Like is things with with uh, COVID going to be stabilized. Like there's just so much that like, I wish that they got a little bit more work done over the holidays or at least at the end of mm-hmm. December. Right. Uh, just, just cause it seems like, Oh yeah, there's still a month, but a month is not like they're just starting negotiations tomorrow. I- I'm not optimistic that there's going to be no delay to the start of the season. Well, 
considering it took them until July of 2020 to figure out if they wanted to have a 2020 season, I agree. I'm not optimistic. Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Um, Hopefully. But, but, hey, quick yeah. shout out to uh, to Kevin Reese on this promotion today. Promoted, yep. uh, promoted to senior director of player development. And then also uh, a very minor minor league signing. Um, the Yankees brought back old friend Manny Benuelos. Um, I, I don't know what role they envisioned for him. Uh, or winning it all. Signing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought that was funny. That was announced, uh, what, two days ago? And yep. it's just like, ago. oh my God, I forgot that guy even existed. Pretty much. That's a name well, <clears throat> I haven't heard in a very long time. So, which one of the killer bees is coming back next then? Well, Dylan's still active. So, yeah. Dylan Batantis coming home. Andrew Brackman resurfacing from wherever he got to. Dylan Batantis uh, probably going to throw a bullpen and be topping out at like 88 uh, soon come. Rip. Poor guy. Poor guy. He used oh, all his and then, for the and then also, but just to bring it full circle, we started talking about um, the Ark Chavez thing in the beginning. The Yankees did mention that they were targeting some other former players to fill the assistant mm-hmm. hitting coach role. Oh, like don't say it, names, Andrew. One of the names, uh, I, I'm not going to name don't it. Say it. You read the article, don't you know who it is, but like just if, that, if, if that's the type of player that they're going for, then <laughs> like the organization hasn't learned anything. Okay, I'm just, for our, our our audience that does not know the name, it's Mark Trumbo, <laughs> which is the last type it's of guy that they if need. Someone, like, look, Andrew, if someone was writing a, a sitcom on the Yankees, that they that would be in the sitcom. That like, oh, the Yankees are looking for a new hitting coach, and it's Mark Trumbo, a guy with like a two oh eight career lifetime average or some shit. Who the it's definition good. of I think, I think swinging it's like a bit, homer or bust? It's just uh... yeah, but but look, if you and also like, like Marcus Tim's create like his like ideal player in a lab, it's Mark Trumbo, and Marcus Tim just got fired. Now we're we're gonna slot that guy. He's like. His, his mannequin, his Dr. Frankenstein monster, into his own role. And like, why would why would the results be any different? I get it's an assistant role, not the primary role, but like, come on, what are we doing? John Heyman tweeted yesterday that they officially haven't started to fill that job yet, but he name dropped Eric Hinsky as being liked in the organization and among the candidates. So that's another name. Is he employed by the team? I, I haven't had seen any connection with him since he was on the team for a cup of coffee in 2009 and won a World Series. Uh, I, mean, he, I don't think he's employed. No, I don't mean I don't. I don't think Eric Eric Hinsky at least wasn't like uh, like he obviously I'm not saying he was like a great hitter, but I don't know. Like I, I like, think who, his, who like, maybe he got full on and like, yeah, his maybe he, like dove into analytics. I mean, he was an assistant hitting coach with the Diamondbacks. He was a he was a hitting coach with the Angels, and then most recently he was an assistant hitting coach with the Diamondbacks, but he got fired or was whatever not that anymore after this year. Oh, good. So that's part. Philip, he's already been fired once. So like, <laughs> so like uh, at this point, why not just like, why not just go to like Japan or Korea and see. Who they have there, right? It it could be someone who played major league baseball. It could be someone who spent their entire career over there. As long as there's not like a language issue, like language barrier, like they can't speak English kind of thing, and then they can't teach. But like, why not? Like, let's go outside the box, like crazy. I don't know. 
I, I mean, I'd like to see. I feel like with the, you know, changes, organizational changes that are sort of happening that you might not just get like a, you know, like a candidate, you know, like a Tim's or like a just a, oh, he hits a lot of home runs kind of guy. Like, I feel like you might get more, more creative kind of candidate. But I mean, hopefully we'll see. It's an assistant hitting coach. It's not going to be the downfall of the team. Although what if things about? get bad enough next year, we might start blaming it. Yeah, and what happens if like Dylan Lawson either gets fired or, or takes a job somewhere else? Usually, you're going to promote the assistant up to his spot, and then what? Like, at this point, at, the, at that point, at that point, hope that, that Rachel Valkovic has a lot of a lot of success at the minors, and they just bring her all the way up. Like, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's I don't think they do things by accident, right? She was a hitting coach; they promoted her already, so she's clearly doing a good job. So, like. I don't think the Yankees have these people down in the minor leagues tasked with developing their most important prospects for their future if they don't have some future consideration for them either. Well, and that's why they they gave Lawson the job in the first place, right? Because he he knew everyone in the system. And, and obviously, I think he's been with the organization long enough to have had some exposure to guys who came through the system and are in the, minor, the major leagues now, like Gary and Judge. So, I don't know. And uh, just as a fun little nugget of information about the Yankees organization, um, Brian Cashman has had a woman as his assistant general manager since 1998, every single year. Huh, first it was, was, yeah, it was well, Kim Eng right? first. Yeah. Shout out to Kim Eng, first female general manager, doing a good job with the Marlins. Oh, then um, he has Afterman, right? Yeah, after her, it was uh, Jean Afterman, and she's been there ever since. So. Fun little nugget for baseball listening and watching world. <laughs> uh, you, I actually just searched Gene Afterman on, on Google just to see when she was when she was hired, right? What year? Um, and and there's a uh, people also ask section on Google. It says who is the assistant Yankees assistant GM, and then it says Aaron Boone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, heaven God. forbid, Google. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Oh, jeez, oh, Google, fix it. You're like, uh, Aaron, we really need we really need to go out and get a player. You know, what kind of player should we look for? Uh, you know, tough-minded, um, you know, good guy, someone who yeah. I can put an EY at the end of their name for a nickname, you know, like... Got a good head on their shoulders. We would just we would just have nine Tereuses running around the field. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Please, <laughs> no. Uh, on that note, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's just about it uh, for today's episode. Um, I miss, look, I miss things happening in the world of baseball. It's like, you know, remember free, free agent signings and maybe, maybe a trade. Remember, you know, got people make trades, team make <laughs> remember trade trades. Teams. Remember those? Remember those baseball fun, teams right? doing things in yeah, general? Man, that's, it's fun. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Happens. Yeah, Pepperidge Farms remembers. But hopefully, hopefully we get progress for tomorrow, right? That's all we could do. That's all we could do is hope. Um, Twitter feed. <laughs> No, it's, it's, this is going to be Jeff Passon's Twitter feed. It's going to be like, all right, the meeting has started. And then 10 minutes later, the, oh, they've, they have left the meeting. And it's like, well, I could imagine how that went. Keppers are high. The league, the league just returned with a ham and cheese sandwich from the deli across the street. <laughs> the meeting lasts 10 minutes. My story. Oh, God. Well, Jesus. for Luigi, for Andrew, for G, this was the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast and the Lockout.